episode 176 of the Professional Book Nerds podcast presented by Overdrive. This is Adam, and I am all by myself for the entire episode today. Um, A few times in the past when I was out and about traveling either for work or otherwise, uh, Jill has stepped up and been amazing and done episodes all by herself. Uh, One time she talked about her favorite fantasy libraries ever and uh, a few other things that she's done. So I have done introductions by myself before many, many times, but I've never done a a whole episode by myself. Uh, And I told her that I would happily do this one uh, if we ever needed a show because I have something specific that I wanted to talk about. And today being Thanksgiving, we didn't have anything huge we wanted to share with you guys. So here I am all by myself. So first off, happy Thanksgiving. If you're listening to this on the day it comes out, hope you're having a wonderful turkey day if you're in the United States. Um, if you're listening to this not on Thanksgiving, which is probably pretty likely, I can't imagine too many people are diving into their podcast list on the actual holiday of Thanksgiving. Um, happy Black Friday. Happy holidays in general. Uh, we'll just go with that because there's a whole bunch of holidays coming on down. So what we're going to do today is... I am a longtime lover of Neil Gaiman, which I know I've talked about in the past. Also, many, many people are are Neil Gaiman fans, so that shouldn't be too much of a surprise. But I have kind of an interesting favorite Neil Gaiman book. And in fact, I have a kind of interesting and perhaps controversial top five Neil Gaiman books that I am absolutely obsessed with. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to go through my top five list of Neil Gaiman books to share with you guys. Um, of course, this is kind of like a bar argument. You know, you could have a conversation about who's right or wrong. That said, my list is definitive and it's 100% the correct one, obviously. Uh, so I will start by doing a few kind of honorable mentions, books that are obviously well known but don't fall on my list for one reason or another. Um, but before I do that, if you do want to get a hold of us, if you want to yell at me for my Neil Gaiman takes, or just let us know about anything else that's going on in your literary world, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at ProBookNerds. You can also email us at ProfessionalBookNerds at Overdrive.com. So let us know your thoughts. Tell us all about your favorite authors. If there's anything that you want us to talk about, feel free to drop us a line. Also, if you haven't done so, we don't beg and plead for people to do this too often, but um, it's the holiday season, so if you're feeling giving, if you wouldn't mind going into iTunes or anywhere else that you find our podcast, and give us a five-star rating and a quick review. Um, It helps people find us a little bit easier, and yeah, we would very much appreciate it. So, okay, so in review, I am going to have some reasons why some of these books are not on my top five, and then I'll get into my top five, and and we'll go five to one, because that's more theatrical. So you can gnash your teeth and yell at me uh, as much as you would like. So first off, uh, again, these are honorable mentions. I'm not going to count these in my top five. So the first one is American Gods, which was published in 2001. Uh, It's probably Neil Gaiman's most well-known novel, I would say, Uh, especially seeing how it's now a a very, very good TV show on stars, um, which just got done doing its first season this year, and I highly recommend checking it out if you're a Neil Gaiman fan and you haven't yet. Uh, So American Gods tells the story of this guy named Shadow. Um, He just got out of prison. He realizes, or he discovers that his wife and his best friend were killed in a car accident, but they were also having uh, an affair. Uh, So his life's kind of in shambles. 
he meets this guy named Mr. Wednesday, who knows all of these things about Shadow that he really shouldn't. It shouldn't be possible that he knows all of these things. Uh, Shadow kind of acts as his, as his bodyguard, and they take this long, ridiculous road trip uh, across the country to rally all these people in Mr. Wednesday's life uh, for a war that's brewing between old gods and new gods. Um, I'm not going to tell you how it ends, and there's all sorts of these kind of small, like, interstitial stories that are uh, we woven, weaved, that are a part of the, the book as a whole. It's really, really good, uh, and actually, I believe I saw Neil Gaiman once said that he talked. He actually took the road trip across the country while he was writing it, so there's all these little small towns and things that um, you, sh- you wouldn't think someone from outside of that area would know about, but he, he kind of traveled all around, and that's how he got a good feel for the inner workings of America uh, and put it into American Gods. So it's a great book. Uh, I, I know that it's a lot of people's favorite you know, gaming book. Um, for me, it just it didn't capture my heart as much as some of the other ones. So um, that's the reason why it's not on my top 10. And I'm going to take a two-second break here to take a, a, a sip of tea. Okay, we're back. That was very fast. So one of the other things that I really enjoy about Neil Gaiman is he writes books for all ages. Um, I have a couple on here, again, more honorable mentions that aren't in my top five, but these are really great for for young readers. Uh, first is Fortunately the Milk, which is great for young kids. It's this adorable story about time travel and breakfast cereal uh, where a dad talks about his adventures of going to get milk for the family breakfast. So it's really short. It's really cute. It's a great book to read as like a, a bedtime story maybe for, uh, for younger readers. It is a nice imaginative it just really shows how creative neil gaiman is another one is the sleeper and the spindle which is sort of like a mix of snow white and sleeping beauty kinda uh it's a fairy tale and it's very well done and if you do get either the ebook or the physical version of the book uh, the metallic artwork that's in there is beautiful uh, that's done by chris riddell or Rydell. Uh, something about Neil Gaiman books that I highly recommend you do. Not for this one. I think you should definitely look at Fortunately the Milk and Sleeper and the Spindle. But if you are a fan of audiobooks, definitely, definitely, definitely listen to Neil Gaiman's audiobooks. He does most of the narration, if not all of it. And Neil Gaiman has one of those voices that I would listen to him recite a thesaurus. He just has this... Uh, hauntingly beautiful voice so uh maybe someday you'll hear it on this podcast we'll see maybe this will get his attention uh another one that is kind of an honorable mention but does not make the list is north uh, norse mythology which just came out this year i loved this book it was wonderful uh but i docked points on the list because it's not a kind of original work. Uh, a lot of Gaiman's work is inspired by ancient mythology. And what he does in Norse mythology is he retells the traditional stories of the Norse pantheon. So featuring Odin and Thor and Loki, uh, he takes all of the Norse myths and he puts them into kind of like a novelistic arc, beginning with the origins of the legendary nine worlds and the you know the tree of life and ending with Ragnarok, uh, which is kind of the, the destruction of their worlds as, as they know it so it's magical and it's wonderful and if you've ever been interested in discovering more about Norse mythology you know with Thor as a part of the Marvel stories and with the Vikings uh, popular television show it's been 
really, really popular in, in pop culture. So North, Norse mythology is a really great way to, to learn the background and all those different things. But again, not going to count it in my top five. Uh, one more is uh, he has a bunch of collections of short stories, and I didn't want to count this in my top five favorite books of his either. Uh, my favorite of his short story collections is called Smoke and Mirrors. Uh, in there, you'll find stories about uh, there's one with this old woman who discovers the Holy Grail in a thrift store. There's another one with a boy bartering his life uh, with a troll that he meets under a bridge. Uh, there is some H.P. Lovecraftian stories. My actual personal favorite is in the introduction to the book. It's about a wedding gift that a couple receives. And what it is is like a short story in, in and of itself. And the what they see happening is as they're every time they read this story, the first time it recounts their wedding day, uh, but every time they read it, it changes and it reveals this awful, horrible alternative history of their marriage. That's uh, kind of like the picture of Dorian Gray, but a little bit more modern. Uh, and it, the nice thing about if you take a look at any of his short story collections, especially Smoke and Mirrors, Neil Gaiman actually provides background onto how and why the stories got created, what they were created for, what anthology and whatnot. So, um, Smoke and Mirrors is really, really great uh, if you're looking for short stories. And then my two honorable mention uh, kind of novels that aren't American Gods and are also aren't in my top five. Uh, Coraline, which I know I'm going to get yelled at by a number of people in our office for this hot take. Um, it, it, it gave me nightmares, which is why it's not in my top five. But just to describe the book for you really briefly, a young girl named Coraline, uh, her family moves into this flat. And in the flat, it has 21 windows and 14 doors. 13 of those doors are open, and the 14th one is locked, and there's a, this brick wall behind it. She finds the key and discovers that on the other side of that wall, there's like a slightly different version of their life. Um, and at first, everything seems like it's slightly better. You know, the food tastes better, that everything is a little bit happier. But that sh what she discovers is that uh, the other mother and the other father want to kind of keep her there forever and... Uh, kind of steal her away and she realizes that she's going to have to try and escape and rescue uh, all of the lost souls that are trapped there it's really great it's haunting um but the doll eyes that the people had the button eyes gave me nightmares so just couldn't put it in my top 10 um they made a movie about it which was i think it's like stopgap kind of clay animation which was really good but that probably also factored into my nightmares so I'm going to blame the movie version. I won't blame Mr. Gaiman. Uh, my last honorable mention, and I almost hesitate to say this as an honorable mention because I know I'm going to get yelled at for this too, uh, Good Omens. It's wonderful. It's such a good book. Um, but he wrote it with Terry Pratchett, so I'm disqualifying it because it's um, not entirely his work alone. Uh, so the world is set to end on next Saturday. And the armies of good and evil are, are kind of amassing, and the four quote-unquote bikers of the apocalypse have also arrived. Uh, and there's two key cogs that can kind of keep the world from ending. Uh, there's Crowley and there's Azraphael. Uh, one of them is a demon who isn't entirely bad, and the other one is an angel who isn't entirely good. They have this partnership that they have been doing for millennia, uh, where basically if... One of them is in an area and they're performing an act and the other one also has to perform some kind of an act there. 
whether it's good or bad. They'll kind of take care of it for each other. They've, they have this strange friendship. Um, and they've grown accustomed to their partnership. They like living on Earth. They don't want to go back to heaven and hell, respectively. Um, and they just don't want to see everything come to an end. So they need to, they need to try and find and kill the Antichrist, um, who no one seems to be able to locate. So it's great. It's also becoming a TV series in the near future. And I know that many, many people consider it to be their favorite story ever. But again, I, I'm not going to put it in my top five simply because... It was written with the late, great Terry Pratchett. So those are all the honorable mentions, all of the people, all the books, rather, that are not in my top five. So we're going to go ahead and dive into the ones that I love the most right now. And again, this is up for debate, except for the fact that this is definitive. And I'm going to go ahead and say these are the best five Neil Gaiman novels that he has written to date. Okay, number five, Anansi Boys. Uh, when Fat Charlie's dad names something, it tends to stick. For example, he gave Charlie the nickname Fat Charlie, and now everyone calls him that. Uh, 20 years later, even though Charlie, and his last name is Nancy, so even though Charlie Nancy is kind of away from his father, uh, he still gets called Fat Charlie. So something else that happened is um, Fat Charlie's father, he ends up having a heart attack or he drops dead on a karaoke stage and starts to basically ruin Fat Charlie's life even after he is dead. Uh, his father left him a few things. One, like a tall, good-looking stranger who appears on Charlie's doorstep uh, and ends up being Charlie's brother that he never knew. Uh, he couldn't be more different than Charlie. Charlie has this really boring, mundane life uh, and his brother is able to seemingly lighten up Every single situation, he kind of seems like he has magic in him, and you kind of find out how that, why that is. Uh, things start getting very, very interesting. Um, it's uh, a little, a little scary at times. It's very, very funny, um, but it's at the at the at its kind of core, it's this mythological wild adventure, and it sort of shows you where gods come from. Has some nice mythological backgrounds. And it also kind of shows you how to survive your family, which feels very apropos when it comes to Thanksgiving time. So number five, Anansi Boys. Number four, Stardust. If you've never read the book and you only saw the movie, ugh, no, go read the book. It's completely different. So, so, so much better. They did not do the book justice when they made the movie. So there's this town called Wall, and Tristan Thorne lives there, and... He had his heart broke by this uh, girl, Victoria, and it's called Wall because there's this giant wall that runs through the town, and if you can't cross over the wall, they don't let you kind of go into the forest. And uh, the reason being is that the, the world on the other side of the wall is magical, as many things in Neil Gaiman's world is. Um, so one night, Tristan sees a star fall from the sky, and Victoria promises to marry Tristan if he re uh, retrieves that star and he'll bring it back for her. So Tristan's like, yep, totally going to do that. So he finds a gap in the wall and he sneaks across the meadow and into this incredible adventure. Um, he learns that the star is actually this uh, beautiful young woman and there's a personification of it. And he meets pirates and he meets... 
witches and all sorts of uh, incredible things happen. It's the the book version is just so spectacular. I cannot recommend it highly enough. Um, a relatively new Neil Gaiman book comes in at number three, Ocean at the End of the Lane. This middle-aged man returns to his childhood home to attend a funeral. Uh, he ends up kind of just driving around and he rediscovers this farm that he remembers from when he was a little boy. Um, he, may, he met this, uh, this girl there. Her name was Letty Hemstock. And she sort of disappeared from her memory, and now he's starting to remember how wonderful she was and all these magical things she was able to do. And all of his forgotten memories start flooding back. Uh, so when he was a boy, a man committed suicide in a stolen car at that farm, and it sparks this dark and, and scary uh, story of what happened, um, what's going on. Uh, I don't want to give too much away, but... It, it's, the book itself is moving and inspiring, and it shows how stories can both kind of keep us safe and also reveal things about our life that we didn't know was possible. There's this through line in all of Neil Gaiman's books that I love, which is very uh, mythological and magical, and um, I, I just feel like in 500 years from now, people will look back and say that Neil Gaiman was writing the fairy tales of our time. You know, I, I consider him kind of the Hans Christian Andersen of, of of modern day. He just has this way of, of weaving these tales that seem like they're fantastical, but they're also somehow grounded, and they always seem to have some sort of a lesson, and, and everything about them is great. So, okay, number two, Neverwhere. This is actually Neil Gaiman's first published novel. It was in 1996. Um, Richard Mayhew is the main character. He's this young man, and he has a good heart and an ordinary life. He lives in London, um, but not anything out of the ordinary. He's not a wonderful uh, person that would be someone you would remember if you met him. Uh, one day, his life has forever changed when he stops to help a girl he finds bleeding on a London sidewalk, and no one else is helping her. So this small act of kindness propels him into a world that he never knew existed. Uh, what you discover is there are people who kind of fall through the cracks, and Richard has become one of them. And in order to survive, he has to kind of learn this shadow city side of London. Um, and he realizes that there literally is a, a London below London, and it's full of monsters and saints and murderers and angels and if he ever wants to return to the London that he knew, he has to kind of overcome all of it. This reminded me of kind of a mix of um, the Hellboy movies, um, sort of like the Lord of the Rings in the sense of this journey that he goes on. There's just so many things in Neverwhere that when you really look into it and you realize this is the first novel that Neil Gaiman ever published, it's mind-blowing. I, I think... You know, when it came out, I was only 10 years old, and I read it much later than that. But I can only imagine people reading this and just having a moment where you know this person is going to change the literary world, and he continues to do so. And then number one for me is The Graveyard Book. Ah, oh, this book is so, so wonderful. I love it. This is one of my favorite books in the entire world. Uh, this baby, his his entire family has been murdered, and he through a series of kind of fortunate events, I guess you would say, uh, escapes the house in the opening scenes of the book. And he 
heads to the cemetery, kind of like waddles into the cemetery. And the ghosts and undead, you know, spirits who are in the graveyard realize what's happening. And so they protect this boy, even though they probably shouldn't, um, hides him from the person who was murdering his whole family, and then decide because he has nowhere else to go, no one else to help him, they raise him. And so he, they call him Bod, short for Nobody Jones. And he slowly learns kind of the tricks and how to survive. And um, they teach him like how to, what's what they consider fading. So it's not disappearing entirely, but making sure that humans won't see you. Um, and he struggles to kind of deal with this balance of his life between the living and the dead. And it teaches, it's, I would say that it's good for young readers. I know that the story itself opens with a murder of a family, but um, if you have some, you know, perhaps not juvenile, but like early young adult readers, I think would be totally fine with this. I read the book in one sitting the first time I read it, and I have read it several times since. It it, it has just like, every, it has every perfect encapsulation of a Neil Gaiman book. It's magical, and it has spirits and Myth, uh, mythologies and all sorts of great things in there. Um, it won the Newberry, the Carnegie, and the Hugo Awards when it came out, which is bananas. Um, but it's so good. I cannot recommend it highly enough. So those are my top five Neil Gaiman books. Um, I don't know that I would consider Neil Gaiman my favorite author. He's not the guy that I've, you know, that introduced me to my love of reading. But he is the author that I go to, I fall back on most when I need something to read. Uh, I think the best way to describe it is there are several, you know, many authors out there where I know when they have a book coming out that I don't even need to read the description. I'm going to purchase those titles, you know, immediately. And Neil Gaiman was kind of the first one where I knew every single time he had a book come out, that book was going to be on my shelf. So. And they are. And I actually have several copies of many of those. So, um, yeah, that was that's kind of all I had for today. I thought I might sit down and share a few moments with you after your Thanksgiving turkey and, and talk some Neil Gaiman. So if you're a fan of Neil Gaiman, uh, shoot us a message again on Twitter, on Instagram, via email. Let me know your favorite, up, your favorite books of his. Uh, tell me how wrong I am. I, am, I accept all of those things, but uh, that's all I've got for you today. Um, I guess my final takeaway that I would hope you guys would have is, for me, Neil Gaiman constantly reminds me that magic is real, and I hope that diving into these books, you'll feel the same way as well. All right, gobble, gobble, happy Thanksgiving, and this is Adam signing off. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com, and our library friends can add these titles to their collections and marketplace. Hello, and welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book. And together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. 
Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts.